Welcome to the Michelle Mission, Two Men, One Podcast, every black film ever made. My name is Vincent Williams, and I'm joined as always by my partner. Hey, what's up? This is Len, a.k.a. The Bat Tribble. And on this stop on the mission, here in the second week of Bootober. 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 We will spend time with a variation on a theme of one of the most classic of horror slash monster stories, mm-hmm. Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, mm-hmm. a very loose adaptation <clears throat> of the classic novel, Dr. Black, Mr. Hyde, yes. starring Bernie Casey, Rosalind Cash, mm-hmm. and a veritable cascade or cavalcade cavalcade yes cavalcade of black actors from the 70s that you go i recognize them from somewhere mm-hmm, mm-hmm. directed by blackula's famed director william crane yes this was the choice of lynn webb yes it was but before we get to dr black mr hyde in his intense hatred of prostitutes in liver disease. <laughs> I'm curious, um, Vince, because you are a professor. Yes. Of uh, English literature. I am. Do you know the exact year and exact title mm. of the book upon which this movie is loosely based? It is 1886, mm-hmm. and the name of the novel or novella, I believe, it's The Strange Case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde by Robert Louis Stevenson. Have you ever read that? Of course. Yeah? Is of it, course. Is it any good? I've never read it. You just... You just want you just just right out the just right out the box, <laughs> yeah. like just right out the box. Exactly. Like, like we start on the path, like we just went past the start sign, and you're actually standing on the side in the bushes. <laughs> well, here's the thing: this movie is so loosely based on Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde. I here's the thing: I don't know if I'm going to get into it. Here's the thing: what it is. But it surprisingly is in the spirit of it. It is. There, there definitely extent. are some things that are definitely in this. In this I have read it. Mm-hmm. It is part of that collection of Victorian. Like it's actually one of my little that like like sort of Victorian genre novels. It's like the, basically all the members of the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Mm-hmm. It's like this, the Invisible Man. Yeah. Uh, uh, War of the Worlds. Right. Like like these Dracula. I was about to say Dracula. Like all of these Victorian era fantasy slash science fiction slash horror mm-hmm. works mm-hmm. that you barely have to scratch the surface, and it's just all the psychosis of the English of the, t- of the times in that kind of real wrapped up moment, right? Like that Victorian England moment where it was just real, real wrapped up. So like. Everything, all of those are about sex, homosexuality, and drugs. Yes. So, I have read it, and I enjoy it a great deal. The book. Not, the book. Not sex, drugs, and... Not yes. not sex, drugs, homosexuality, <laughs> and um, prostitutes, no. Right. 
Because prostitutes, I believe, play a role in in the book. I wasn't sure whether or not they were like conflating that with the the whole, whole, like the whole thing is like he's trying to get rid of all these urges, right, and separate him from himself, and the urges basically take form, okay, and take over his body, and it's it's like it's not even an allegory. It's like if you bury this stuff Mm. instead of dealing with it, it's all going to take over, right. And of course, the thing that everybody in Victorian England was trying to bury was their sexuality right so gotcha this whole bit about him in the liver disease which represents alcohol and prostitutes which represents sex mm-hmm. and him you know fighting against it is surprisingly in the spirit of the novella okay so there you go well there you go i'll, I'll expect a three-page reaction paper from you on friday double space mla formatted i want it printed out front side of the page who has a printer anymore that's part of it go, go. <laughs> i actually tell my students all the time like they'll come in and they won't have it printed or like they'll come in and they'll have a stapler and i'll tell them that's actually not my problem and i'm gonna do <laughs> like well where can i find a stapler where can i find hey, hey, hey. i got mine you got yours to get go find it and I talk to them like they're Adam in the morning. Like every every morning we drop Adam off and I hit him in the back of his backpack and I say, go have an adventure. Mm-hmm. So like I send him out oh, of my classroom nice. to say, go have an adventure. And then the funny thing is they show up in like five minutes. And like I went down to the office one floor. I found a stapler. And I said, look at you. You had an adventure. I roamed the halls and there was something that said, oh, I believe it's French. It's office. It's pronounced office, I believe. I said, really? Look at you. You had an adventure. I couldn't find a stapler, but she had a paper clip. Ooh, look at you. Aren't you classy? She had a lot of them. I bought some for everyone. <laughs> exactly. Well, the funny thing is, it's always one of those types. Like, most of the time, some kid will say, I brought a stapler with me. Right. Before we get into the um, the meat of the show, I wanted to, if you would indulge me, Vince, a little mm-hmm. bit, I wanted to bring to the missionary's attention uh, and do a little shout out okay, for my sister, my twin sister, yeah. as it were, Leslie Crudup, Les. um, who actually is now a, a published she yeah there's a new book that is out i'm I'm holding it up to the screen here called queens who defied the odds resiliency is not just surviving but thriving this is a book that was put together by cheryl uh hurley that has 20 black women giving their personal stories over time so they overcame odds and my sister leslie crudup is uh Right there, yeah. ladies and gentlemen. There she is. I'll let Vince check this that out. Fantastic. Congratulations, has, Leslie. Yeah, she has a lovely story in there about um, uh, her relationship with my mother, uh, especially uh, from a few years ago at the time of my mother's passing. And it was a very lovely, lovely personal story 
Um, and I'm very proud of her. Very proud of her. Excellent. We're, we're all proud of Leslie. So this is on sale? It's on sale wherever books are sold. So the Queens Who Defied the Odds. So it's 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 on Amazon? Yep. It's, it's on Amazon. Wherever books are sold, okay. check okay. it out. Yes, please do. Queens Who Defied the Odds. Yeah, and I'll put a link in the show notes. I was about to well. say, that's Hurley, H-U-R-L-E-Y? Yes, Cheryl Hurley. Your Cheryl is C-H. E-R-Y-L. Absolutely. Yeah, so that's pretty dope it's right fantastic yeah i was very excited for my for my, my my big sister i was about to say who's who's older oh i'm 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 the baby of the family how many minutes eight minutes oh so she was like walking and helping your parents with your taxes by the time you came out <laughs> you think that's a joke <laughs> um i was not only was i eight minutes behind my my sister in a very small womb. It's not like you couldn't find me. Right, right. But the reason why they took her out first was because Les came out, and I think she was maybe about five, six pounds. Okay. I came out, I was a hair over two. Okay. Okay. So not only did she come out eight minutes before me, but she went home in a couple of days. Oh. I stayed in the stay. hospital for yeah. a month okay. until I could get uh, sufficiently right. weighed enough to go home. Okay. And my mother came came to the hospital every day. That's all right to see me. Because I was her and will always be forever her baby. Yes, 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 yes. Apparently, Leslie was hogging all the food oh. in the womb. Oh look, man, she was she was ruthless. She was ruthless. But congratulations, because she's published fantastic and awesome. But I'll go along with it. She's queen, yeah, who defied the odds. Excellent, excellent. Congratulations, Leslie. Yeah. All right. So let's get to our emails. We got right. emails, Vince. What's going on with the missionaries? Uh, let's see. What is going on? We got an email from. Oh, you'll like this. It's from our. The longtime friend of the show, Ariel Johnson. Hey, what's up, Ariel? Of the famed Amalgam Comics and Coffee House. Absolutely. Hey, Len and Vincent. This is in regards to our review of Us. Okay. There is a doppelganger episode of The Twilight Zone called Mirror Image. She's right. Yes. She's right. Uh, Who's in that? Vera Miles as Millicent Barnes, Martin Milner. Oh, Martin Milner. I got time for him. Joe Hamilton and Naomi Stevens. Okay. Oh, 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 oh. Is this the one about the woman? Is she at like at the bus stop? She's in the bus stop. It's the bus stop episode. Right, right. You know, I never knew that was the name of it. Right. She's at the bus stop and she keeps, she sees. And I'm going to tell you why I know, why that's always on my mind or it's been on my mind lately because the makers of, um, I forget the name of my show that apparently I was the only one watching, but I loved it. That was on Stars. I want to think about the two Earths. Yeah, with um, my man J.K. Simmons. The creators is it counterpart? It is counterpart. The creators talked about how one of their um influences influences was that episode. Okay, I can dig it. And so much of counterpart takes place in like bus depots and Mm. train depots and things. So yeah. Okay. All right. Cool. 
she does continue on with her email, but in, in her email, she gets on to Versus. Oh, Versus. As for the Versus, I think Kane and KRS-One is a Mitch match, too. Okay. I was thinking Kane versus Rakim. Okay. Or Cool G Rap. I know how you feel about Rakim, but what about Cool G Rap? That's interesting. Cool G Rap would be good if they were just straight battle rapping. Yeah. But Cool G Rap can't, he can't touch Kane. Yeah, just lyrically. Yeah. Well, he can't touch him lyrically, but he can't touch him for hits like that, that are going to yeah. get the crowd. Right, right. You know. I don't know if he can touch him for stage presence. Kane really is the full package. Oh, he is. Like, he really is the full package. And you were talking about seeing him old and young. I remember, like, you watch Kane young. You fool around, that Negro would be upside down. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, he's spitting, and then he's back there with scoop and scrap. Right. Like, actually going for Going for Well, he was a dancer first. And again, now Kane is upside down. Yeah, yeah, on his flat top. Yeah, Kane is the... Kane is no so full of action. My name should be a verb is one of my favorite lyrics of all time. I don't know whether or not you're privy to this. Are you were you privy to the conversation about in in the versus universe, which who knew there was a universe, but apparently there is. And I fell into a YouTube hole of it the other day. Okay, were you privy to the whole talk about P Diddy Puff? Yes. Uh, going up against Jermaine Dupri. Yeah, yeah. And Puff saying Jermaine Dupri is not in his league. Yes. And say, and Puff more or less saying that if I'm going to versus anyone, it's going to be Dr. Dre. What 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 are your thoughts on? Look, man, I'm I've I've never been once you you know Mary J. Blige, Biggie, of course. Mm-hmm. I mean, if if we're gonna give him faith, we'll give him faith. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm now finished with Puffy. <laughs> like there's not one single solitary thing that Sean Puffy Combs has been affiliated with creatively, outside of those three, mm-hmm. and arguably those three were their own entities. Like Biggie came pretty much fully formed. Yeah, Mary J. Blige, he, he helped shape Mary J. He helped shape Mary J. But I think Mary J. Very quickly became her own, her own thing. thing. Faith was mm-hmm. was was always a songwriter. Like she, oh, okay, right. Okay, so yeah, she yeah, was yeah, a yeah, songwriter yeah. when she came to Puffy. Right, right. But like any of those bad boy acts that you would say Puffy Barry Gordied, mm-hmm. like I put this together. Mm-hmm. There's not one act that I've ever really not one. Not even yeah yeah, yeah I feel you. you. You're saying not even whoever it is you're about to aim name. The answer is no. No, I was going to say, not even if they had one song that maybe you find yourself humming, it doesn't necessarily mean that you really rock with them. Look. Because I, I got I a little bit of time for a couple of 112 tracks. It, 112 could never... I didn't know this was a trigger. I... <laughs> I'm trying not to be so loose with the N-words. Okay. But them N-words could never sing. Okay, all right, yeah. But this, that's, this, How are you going to say, oh, oh all right, sure. I mean, We're a, talking about singers. There's a history of people that can't sing, but they, they can get a song over. Uh, yeah. Again, Bad Boy, between 112 and Total, and like, like he always had singers who couldn't sing, <laughs> rappers who couldn't rap. Like, I was like, what? Like, I always felt like, and we are going, because I ain't trying to turn this, but I always felt like 
every now and then I was like, Puffy, like, is he Andy Kaufman? Like, is this some type of extended <laughs> performance this is art? The <laughs> like, did I take crazy pills? <laughs> like, am I the only one that notices Total can't sing at all? Well, th- th- but they knew that. No, who knew that? Yeah, a lot of people knew that. They knew Total. Total was all about the beat. Total was all about the beat. That's why they didn't last. Regard, yes. Yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. I, I, I will say. Miss McKeeba wants to know: Do you have time for Father MC? <laughs> Father MC, <laughs> is she messing with me? Is she messing? <laughs> I'm fairly I think she's certain messing she's with messing. Me. Father MC, and yet you're going with it. Was Big Daddy Kane for people who didn't actually like hip hop? Oh, okay. Like, give me a brown skin, sexy dude. But without all that rapping, mm. that was Father MC. Mm. Father MC always came off to me like a three dollar Kwame. You know what? I and think I, Kwame is much more talented than his package. Really, I do too. I do too. But but Father MC, like the image that they molded for him, always right, came right. off well, again, Kwame-ish. He was, he was came for people who didn't want to deal. With all that, I don't, I don't like hip hop. I don't like you using the I, name I, of Kane in the same sentence with Father and I know you don't. Yeah, take that you, out of your mouth, you man. Think about the trajectory. I don't of care. Kane's career. No, no. Kane, take Kane out your mouth when you talk look, about Father and I, I completely understand. Kane, don't have Kane come in here half stepping up on your ass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, Father and fa- it, yeah, it was just, it was just so creatively bankrupt. I feel you. Pharaoh Mac Blackwell is um, putting out a a couple of potential versus throwbacks. They go they go in. Um, Sammy Davis Jr. versus <laughs> Harry Belafonte. <laughs> Sammy Davis Jr. quietly is going to eat everybody. Oh yeah, he's going to eat everybody lunch. You trying to think of anybody that could get with Sammy? From from his heyday, yeah, from that era. Like I don't know anyone who is as talented in so many different ways as Sammy Davis Jr. True, as talented as in so many different ways. Yeah, but it depends on the era that you're taking Sammy from. You take Sammy from, I'd say, like the '50s, early '60s. Mm-hmm. There's probably nobody to mess with him. Right. That's right. After that, uh, if anything, if anything. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm assuming you would take, sort of, s- sort of, you know the. the I'm like trying to think the of the paragon of of Sammy Davis. You like the height of like had at his fullest powers. Right, right. Which is fifties to sixties. Yeah, right, exactly. Rat yeah. pack. But Sammy even Davis but even Jr. then, the sixties, because by the sixties, James Brown is rocking out. James Brown, like James, First of all, in the in the in the versus throwback future whatever. Don't nobody ever need to get on the stage with James Brown. Nobody needs to get on the stage with James Brown. Only anybody who could maybe stand a chance with James James Brown, as far as like rocking that crowd, is Michael. Right. Right. James. Yeah. You're right. You're right. All right. We talk about some other stuff. Well, because you know me. I know, but <laughs> he has another throwback. Like, you know, I'm has, you know, once I go in, I go in, and you, you just now we're doing it. You were in the '60s for a second. Like I'm trying to corral myself. Well, we're going further back because 
uh, Farrell Blackwell last and final, last and mm-hmm. final versus throwback mm-hmm. is Duke Ellington. Okay, versus Cab Calloway. Oh, Duke Ellington all day. I would take Duke Ellington all day too, but Cab would definitely get the crowd stirred up. Yeah, he gets know. the crowd. Yeah, but yeah, yeah Duke, Duke Ellington all day. Duke all all day. Um, we got another email because we got an email from Maurice Poplar. Maurice. This is about us. Okay. And the subject line is, I tried to keep it brief. (laughs) Famous last words. Colon, strap in. Okay. (laughs) All right. All right. Let's talk about us. I would like to write a dissertation on this film, but y'all ain't got time for that. So broad strokes. All right. This film does a funny trick of making black America complicit with white America. Okay. The underground people work for the above ground people. This is rife with the idea of underground economies. It brings up the immediate allusion to all the illegal labor in America that America depends on. You can't walk into most restaurants in this country and and not find some people in the kitchen with no papers. They pick most of the food, slaughter most of the animals, package most of our goods. They deserve to say we're Americans too. Us is about us, the U.S. I extrapolate this to include all the people working overseas for next to nothing that makes the lives of even poor American lives affordable. That may be a step too far. Maybe. All I know is my people used to be those people. The power move of this film. Red passes to join the above ground world. The people below have no imagination for liberation until Adelaide becomes their Moses. Uh, Jordan Peele (coughs) excuse me, uses the metaphor of black history to highlight how far black people have come. And now with our phones and umpteenth generation of Air Jordans and Air Force Ones. Easy. (laughs) We are as happily, blissfully ignorant of the how as white folks are. CRT is violence to them. It undermines who they are. Peel manifests that violence physically in this film. It's important these black folks are coastal elites from generational wealth. It's important that the doppelgangers want to live in the big houses. It's important the doppelgangers want to make a unified stand, but the viewer wonders how long they just going to hold hands. Hope that's coherent. Love the show. Mo. He said all the stuff I wanted to say and I didn't want to get, we didn't get into it last week. Because that was a whole different show. I 100% agree with 100% of everything he said about how the complication of race and class mm-hmm. makes it murky. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And again, I think to add to that, like we talked about last week, the way that that black family was able to navigate right. this space when things got crazy mm-hmm. it's a version we, we we talk about in my house all the time like no matter how middle class you are you always are closer to, to poor than rich amen like you're always closer to poor than you are rich mm-hmm. and you're always 
you know, I don't know, one <clears throat> paycheck, two paychecks, three paychecks, but you can count the paychecks. That's right. Like however many paychecks you are from being utter, you know, things go wrong. Mm -hmm. You can count those paychecks. And we always say like, never, ever get off your game. Like if the shit goes wrong, you need to be able to ha know how to handle yourself. Cause right. you, we're not that far removed. That's very true. And I do think that for those of us who are first generation middle class, second generation middle class at most, and of color, certainly, mm -hmm. I do think a lot of us are hyper aware Yeah, that at any given moment, you got to be ready to, to go like, like, like all like, don't, don't, don't get caught up in all this stuff. Mm -hmm. So, and I think that is, is in conjunction with what Maurice is talking about about that so i i 100 and i'm glad he said it so i didn't have to say it and, and make the episode go an extra half hour last week <laughs> thank you maurice thank you maurice almost went a half hour with your email but yeah. yes. <laughs> thank you um we got another email another email final email and this is from anthony davis hey what's up anthony and this email vince mm -hmm. is from the future oh because this email is about our review of Dr. Black and Mr. Hyde. <laughs> I hate prostitutes and liver disease. <laughs> hey, guys. <laughs> Anthony begins. I'm watching the movie as I'm writing this, and I just have a few quick reactions to it. Okay. Number one. Number one. Whoever did the makeup for Mr. Hyde should have been hired to do a Solomon Grundy episode of Wonder Woman because for a 70s movie, it's actually pretty good. Hey, look, we are, of course, going to talk about the great Stan Winston. Mm. Number two. Number two. Love that we got a quick mention of Haints. Yeah. You don't really hear about black mythological monsters in mainstream movies, so it's pretty cool that we got a small shout out to one in a black movie. Yes. And number three. Number three. I would actually like to see a remake of this by a black female or femme director, considering the current discussion about sex workers and the violence they face. Yeah. 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 I... I I mean, I, we'll, we'll talk about it in this in our review, and I won't jump the gun because it's your movie. But I, I do think it would be interesting to see some. of I mean, it's Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde. Mm -hmm. So Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde, I think, is a concept that's always ripe, right, for reinterpretation. Love the show. Can't wait to hear the review for this one. Peace, Anthony Davis. No. Not that one. LOL. <laughs> Do you know what Anthony Davis he's referring to? No, of course not. Is this an athlete? Honestly, you don't? No. Yes. Anthony Davis is a star athlete uh, with the Los Angeles Lakers. Okay. All right. Well, there you go. Thank you, Anthony. And thank you, everyone, for your emails. And if you ever feel, you know, moved to write us an email, ladies and gentlemen, please feel free. Email us at Mission at gmail.com. That's M-I-C-H-E-A-U-X-M-I-S-S-I-O-N. -S -S 
at gmail.com. You can like and follow us on all the social medias, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, as well as subscribe on YouTube. You can find us all over at Me Show Mission. Um, We here at the Me Show Mission, as listeners to our podcast are well aware that we do, um, you know, sometimes feature ads uh, during our show uh, because that helps, you know, keeps the show free um, and helps support the show in in a huge way. But the Michelle Mission has recently just started a promotion that I actually am very excited about and very happy that um, this company has come on to uh, work with us for the next uh, 30 days. And that is BetterHelp. BetterHelp.com is a, a website where people who are just looking for, you know, an, an ear that they want to to bend because of anything that they may be going through in these um, very troubling times and, and intense times that we have found ourselves in the last year and a half. It has been a strain on uh all of us, economically, financially, spiritually, um, but I, as well as mentally. And BetterHelp.com is a place where you can go and you can see to bettering your mental outlook in regards to whatever you may be faced with. I am very proud. And I know I speak for Vince with that. We're very proud that um, be working with uh, better help um, and their support of our show for the next 30 days and as a bonus to anyone out there in the um, Michelle Mission world who you know feeling the pangs and, and may feel like they want to just speak with someone I invite you to go to betterhelp.com and use the promo code mission to get a um a, a discount on their services that they're offering. They they offer some fantastic services. They have some fantastic licensed counselors waiting to just to listen. Absolutely. Absolutely. Fully support that. And, and as we've mentioned periodically throughout these troubling times of the past year. And so it's look, folks, these are not normal. Talk, like this is not normal. Yeah. This is and a just pandemic. because you're coping with it, just because you're functioning, that doesn't mean that you're okay. That's right. So certainly if, if you need to talk to someone, if you need, reach out. Yeah. That's betterhelp.com. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P, as in help.com. All right. Uh, to the website where... The website. The website. That is right, ladies and yes, gentlemen, sir. because we are in the month of Bootober, but coming out of Bootober. Uh-oh. Watch out now. Vincent and I will be beginning the road to 300. We're on the road to 300. Yeah, we'll work on that. Every time we're on the road, I always talk about how much I like the Bing Crosby, Bob Hope movies. Yes. And you talk about how you didn't. No, I did not. Which is weird because you're the old timey guy. It seems like you would have liked them. It, it it seems like it. Yet I don't like everything old, and I'm not a fan of Bing Crosby. I was about to ask what 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 aspect of the Bing Crosby Bob Hope movies did you not like? It was Bing Crosby. 
primarily is Bing Crosby. Okay. Um, now, why don't you like Bing Crosby? One, because I think Bill, Bing Crosby, as a performer, mm-hmm. is full of himself. Okay. I mean, a man's got a voice, but I don't necessarily like hit the songs that he sings. He 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 barely acts. He um and in because I like old Hollywood and I read about old Hollywood. <laughs> I know about Bing Crosby, like behind the scenes. And Bing Crosby I mean, was a jerk. I mean, it's a lot of them that you wouldn't necessarily like. And there's a lot that I don't. Yeah, okay. There's a lot All that right. I don't. And Bing Crosby was a huge jerk. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he was a jerk. The, he was a bad father. That's what the word was. Yeah. Um, and uh he was he was full of it he was full of himself yeah so like no so that that's the primary thing i don't mind bob hope i don't think bob hope was the funniest person in the world but you know he was like a freaking institution very charming and and, and a very charming guy and 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 definitely and great timing Mm -hmm. and say what you want about the, the guy he he put himself out there he would go on these uso tours and all that type of stuff and there's like things that he guy. didn't need to do so i liked him and and while i could recognize there was a little bit of chemistry there yeah i just no i, I couldn't mess with them no so is bing crosby a deal breaker yeah, because I don't watch anything. Bing Crosby. I was about to say because no. um, what's um, it, it's not called White Christmas, but the song White Christmas is in where it's him and I think Danny Thomas. Yeah, yeah. is that White Christmas? I yeah, it was it's not Dan- something else. It, 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 I, I forget the name of the movie. It may, I think it's White Christmas or that's just the song they sing. Right, but no, right. I don't watch it. No, wow, no, no, and it's Danny K. It's not Danny, Danny K. That right, Danny right, K. not Danny Thomas. Danny K. That's what I meant. Wow, no, no, no. No, and and the historic, you know, from the seventies when Bing Crosby kind of like reproduced, re recreates that moment. Yeah, but he sings with David Bowie. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like no, no. So just the sheer bizarre nature of that moment. No, okay. I've, I mean I've seen it. Yeah, okay. But no, 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 no. Right, fair enough. But we are on the road to three hundred. We are on the road to three hundred, ladies and gentlemen. We've been talking about this, and it is set to begin in the. Uh, in the first week in November, it will take us all the way through to May. Oh, yeah. May of Seven, 2020. Look, 25 movies. 25 movies. And if you go to our website, um, you can actually see there is the – we have mapped out the movies mm-hmm. that we are going to be watching – um and we've got some good ones mm-hmm. we've got some good we've got some films that you have uh, selected uh some of the missionaries um uh, uh i know that belinda silver suggested i just know this one off the top of my head james uh i am not your negro yeah oh yeah that documentary and we are definitely that's coming up in november um speaking of christmas we got not one but two christmas movies well three if you count trading places which i do Okay. All right. All right. Okay. Is Trading Places really a Christmas movie? It absolutely is a Christmas is movie. There, or is it a Christmas movie the way that Die Hard is a Christmas movie? I mean, yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. Just check in there. But Dan Aykroyd in the dirty Santa Claus outfit, mm. stealing the huge piece of salmon. Yes. Who doesn't think about that every Christmas? I don't. But okay. <laughs> and he growls at the dude. <laughs> 
<laughs> okay. Well, all right. So we're going to be seeing trading place trading places, but we're also going to be reviewing Jingle Jangle. Jingle Jangle. A Christmas Journey. I yes. wonder why we're reviewing that movie. <laughs> hmm. Let me just peruse the cast list of Jingle Jangle a Christmas Journey. A Nicanoni Rose is so powerful <laughs> in Jingle Jangle for the 15 minutes that she's in the movie. She's only in the <laughs> You know there's footage of her, but it was so powerful. It was too powerful. Her one big song, if you look, the film actually gets brighter. <laughs> It was too much power. I, I believe that actual moment is filmed in 3D. <laughs> then, um, at least it wasn't Vincent's house. Then we're, we're also reviewing um, This Christmas. Yes. Which has, unbeknownst to me, because mm-hmm. I have never seen the movie. Really? Never seen the movie. But unbeknownst to me, this uh-huh. has become a Christmas classic. Look. Obviously, we'll talk about it when, as far as soul food riffs go, Mm -hmm. it's not a bad one. Right, right. Like, it's not a bad soul food riff. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, we've got a long list. Pretty solid cast, too. I mean... Yeah, this Christmas has a really solid cast. I mean, you know, Delroy Lindo, you kind of got me at Delroy Lindo, but Idris Elba's in this Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, it's it's a pretty solid cast. Who knew? Yeah. So, I'm like, all right, all right. So we got a long list, ladies and gentlemen, uh, and uh, we got Losing Ground. Uh, we've got a man called Adam. We're bringing back. Um, we're going to be reviewing movies with uh, Bobby Booker. Yeah, yeah. Uh, again, she's returning to the show. Elizabeth Wellington is returning to the show. We're going to be looking at the movie and the soundtrack of Sheba Baby. Yeah. Which oh. means that we'll be looking at the music of Barbara Mason. Yeah. Um. I, we, I mean, we're going to be looking at inter, interracial relationships. Yeah. Guess who's coming to dinner? And honky. Honky. A love story of hate. I mean, we, we, we're kicking off with Jungle Fever. We're kicking off with Jungle Fever. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so go to the MichelleMission.com, The Road to 300, and you can check out the films that we are going to be reviewing. You can actually see what film landed in the 300 spot. Should we tell? I guess we should. Might as well just tell them, right? Yeah. What we going to do? What you going to do when they come for you? That's right. We're reviewing Bad Boys for episode 300, mm-hmm. ladies and gentlemen. We're going, we, we going hard. Yeah, so we got some programming. And I love the fact this sort of a sort of a, um, a long-running podcast flex. We can actually schedule out. Right? Right? I know. Like, we know what's going to come, and we know where we're going to be. I, I feel you. I feel you. And it... Oh, gosh. Here's the thing. I love my Michelle mission. I love my art missionaries. Because they are full of opinions. I am looking at... <laughs> I am looking at, like, you know, I put it out there. They went there. They, they, they're checking everything out. You know, Miss McKeeva, she loves Jingle Jangle. Um, she wants to know which one of these are we going to watch as a group. Oh boy, <laughs> we're talking about it. We're talking about it, Miss McKeever. Mm-hmm. We got some we got some surprises planned. Um, uh, uh, what else? Farrell Blackwell wants us to switch Precious and Bad Boy. 
because uh, it would be a perfect movie so close to Mother's Day. Perhaps, <laughs> but no. <laughs> I don't know what film you're watching. How, <laughs> how is Precious going to be good near Mother's Day? <laughs> I guess you can't. You can't help but be happy I was with, about your to say with your mother. <laughs> Monique missed a marketing <laughs> opportunity. Yeah, I, I I really think the full the full title of the movie is Precious Colon Bad Mother. Yeah. So I mean, oh, yeah. I mean, like, come oh, on, yeah. come on, man, come on. Um, that's 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 funny. You, you're crazy. So yes, the, the road to three hundred, ladies and gentlemen, check oh, it out. Yeah. And and I I should let you know that you know we're we're actually. We had the films there, but we got special programming that we've got planned in and around. Right. You'll notice there's no dates. No, there are dates. Oh, well. I put the dates. Well, maybe you shouldn't put the dates. Well, I, uh, but I also put a line that says subject and subject, dates. Subject to change. Subject yeah. to change. Yeah, okay. Because right, so, we do have some stuff. Right. Yeah, we got right. some stuff planned, you know, right. so we're going to have a, a whole lot of fun. Right. Um, Damon Williams, your brother, says- yes. Precious makes the list of movies I'm never, ever going to watch. Yeah, it's a tough movie. This will be my second time watching it. Yeah. This yeah. will be my second time. This I, will be my read, first time finishing it. Yeah, and I read the novel, too. So, oh, right? wow. yeah, Precious is tough. No, yeah, because I watched, I started watching it, and, I was, and I, when I started watching it one day, I was just not in the headspace. Yeah, I was like, no. yeah, yeah. And Monique and, and Gabrielle Sidibe are amazing. Yeah, isn't Mariah Carey in that movie too? Mariah, and she's not bad. Yeah, I've heard that. Yeah, yeah Mariah Carey is not bad. Yeah, 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 pretty good. All right, it's a good movie. It's just a tough movie. Well, that's um, I, so life is tough. Yeah, life. Yes, life as a shorty shouldn't be so tough. Uh, but right now, let's get into our review. Of Dr. Black and Mr. Hyde. We'll be right back with our movie review after we step to these messages. Bernie Casey is Dr. Black. Hiya, Doc. No, you can't try that serum on a human. Ah! A monster he could not control had taken over his very soul. A screaming demon rages inside, turning him into Mr. Hyde. This is no nightmare, Doctor. You're real. Super strong, supernatural, and super bad. That's a cross between the abominable snowman and Willie the werewolf. Indestructible. Nothing can stop it. Not bombs, bullets, or bulldozers. No man alive could take that guy. But he's on his feet when he hits the street. Dr. Black and Mr. Hyde. His victim thinks she's tricked him, but she hasn't a prayer when he leaps through the air. Shot full of lead, and he still ain't dead. In a moment, you look like me. Dr. Black and Mr. Hyde. 
Don't give him no sass or he'll kick your ass. Jump back, Jack, for your skull is cracked. The barflies are trying, but their bodies keep flying. The dude stood tall till his butt hit the wall. When the boys go rushing, Mr. Hyde starts crushing. The crowd is hushing as the blood comes gushing. There's a heel behind the wheel when Hyde takes his ride. No man can survive when he shifts in the drive. It ain't no jive trying to stay alive. Silky won't revive from his final nosedive. Brother man, this situation is rapidly becoming insalubrious, meaning we about to stomp a mud hole in your ass. From the first burst to the last flight, it's Dr. Black and Mr. Hyde, starring Bernie Casey, Rosalind Cash, Stu Gillum, directed by William Blackula Crane. Dr. Black and Mr. Hyde. Dr. Black, Mr. Hyde is a 1976 black exploitation horror film loosely inspired by the 1886 novella The Strange Case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. In this adaptation, Dr. Henry Pride, played by Bernie Casey, works in a Watts clinic mm -hmm. and takes his own medicine, becoming a monstrous white killer of prostitutes. Dr. Black and Mr. Hyde stars again Bernie, uh, Bernie Casey, Rosalind Cash, G2 Kumbuka, mm -hmm. Marie O'Henry, Stu Gilliard, and was directed by William Crane featuring makeup by Stan Winston. This was the choice of Lynn Webb here during the second week of Bootober. Bootober. Lynn, what say you of Dr. Black, Mr. Hyde? Um, it's surprising how you pointed out that this is, well, you pointed out that this is based on one of the more classic, you know, uh, horror stories, you know, uh, so much so that, you know, it's, I think it's fair to say you're the English professor here, but it's fair to say that the the story of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde has almost become like a trope of mm -hmm. American literature, you know, and, and American media, because the story you see kind of like appropriated and used in various forms. But it it also is surprising. Well, it is surprising that this film, Dr. Black and Mr. Hyde, is considered a classic of black horror mm. as well. Mm -hmm. um, I think because, as you alluded to, this is a film that does, you know, keep in step with some it's uh it's inspiring tale a bit in that dr pride played by bernie casey is a man who is definitely in a conflict with himself as he's kind of called out about it in the beginning of the film about maybe you know how black are you mm -hmm. as it's black question question even though and, and primarily because he is a a man who lives in a relatively affluent part of town but comes to the inner city to help people at a free 
at a free clinic mm-hmm. and it's almost the illusion is that that are made made by some people is that you know he's just doing that to like make himself feel good but he ain't really in touch with the people right you know um and he, he struggles with that. He's also struggling with some inner te- turmoil, inner ang- some 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 anger issues, mm-hmm. um, dealing with the the death of his mother mm-hmm. um, and his powerlessness, regardless of that, that the fact that he was a child, his powerlessness and being able to save his mother mm-hmm. um, as she died of she, and she died of cirrhosis of the liver, I believe. Right. Right. Which is why he, you know, dedicates his life to first becoming a doctor and then looking for a cure for cirrhosis. Right. Um, But he definitely is a man who keeps his anger tightly wound up um, and it's a struggle that you can kind of see kind of like maybe bubbling to the, to the surface every, every blue moon in this film. I think, I think that's what you're seeing. I don't know. Bernie Casey has some very arched eyebrows, so (laughs) they could just be his eyebrows raising, (laughs) but I believe that that's what we're, we're seeing there. Um, there also is talk from the text of the strange case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde um, in regards to what the transformation from Dr. Jekyll, who is in the text, a white man, a white doctor, mm-hmm. uh, changes over to uh, Mr. Hyde, who in the text is, while his race is not on the nose mm-hmm. depicted. That's right. But they definitely say, I believe the word they use is that he he, he is of a, a dusky yeah, hue. That's, that's, that's right. That's right. right. That's so right. alluding that to Victorian stuff again. We were exactly. Talking about. Yeah, absolutely. Which is the allusion to, to him turning into a darker, you know, cre- man. And but it's fair to say creature because that's how they he is depicted in the in the book, mm-hmm. you know, with with the you know hair sprouting uh, about and him um, having now the, akin to the stature and the walk and the gait of like almost like an ape in mm-hmm. in how he you know uh, uh, goes uh, throughout town um, and I believe and 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 I'm not sure about this. Because I'm not sure whether or not I'm or the movie is conflating this with the story of Jack the Ripper. In Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, is he, in fact, killing prostitutes as well? It's, it's, I know he kills it's, women. It's, it's, it's real vague. Okay. In that, okay. You know, it's a lot of him trying to feed his his appetites. Right. It's a lot of that talk. Okay. Okay. So, but you, but it, but uh, uh, unlike Jack the Ripper, right. it's not on the nose right. that these are, which but it's implied, it, it's right? A, well, and I'm about to say, say that certainly makes sense with mm-hmm. the with the mores of the time as far right. as exactly in in their writing. So, so you have that it's turned on its ear here in Doctor Black and Mister Hyde, and that he turns into you know this white. Mm-hmm. creature 
you know, um, now the makeup is good. Yes. But to look at this person, because it's a color film, to look at this person to believe that they may be a white man. <laughs> this ain't the this ain't the watermelon man. Let's put it this way. I have a theory that these people have never actually seen a white person. Yeah, I don't think they've seen. They've white. only heard a white person described. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Or maybe they saw a white person drawn on a chalkboard. Yes. And thus they saw a chalky man. Right, right, right. Uh, a Caucasian. Earl saw a white man when he was in the army, and now he's going to draw a picture of. Oh, uh, exactly. This this is your white man. This is a white man. This is what a white man looks like. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Got you. Got right, you. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So, but that's turned on its ear in this in this movie, and and in doing so, that is where this movie is like it gets you and when you read all of these think pieces that this that has sprung out right. from this movie a surprising amount a surprising of, amount has been of done <laughs> dr black mr high there have been thesis <laughs> there have been whole book series yeah. on the, yeah, i'm yeah. like wow but it makes sense because this does it, it clings to that text a little bit like you say there are moments when when he is Mr. Hyde, where you see him, you like he's running upstairs, and he or Bernie Casey's stunt double runs up the stairs, almost in an ape-like fashion. You know, now you think that was a stunt double run up the steps? Oh, that's one hundred percent a stunt double, Vince. Okay, look at that again. This one hundred now. Ask me why Bernie Casey, former uh, pro athlete, um, needs a stunt double mm-hmm. to run upstairs, mm-hmm. especially considering that if you really pay attention to it, I think the stunt double runs up one flight of stairs and then they just rerun the image about two or three times. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Okay. But maybe he had it written in his contract that I'm not running up any steps. I'm not climbing up any towers. I'm not doing anything that I don't have to do except throw people around as they throw themselves into my hands. And I throw them with a large. Mm-hmm. Because he does become very guttural in his like he's just and screaming mm-hmm. all over the place, except when he has to emote and then says linda come with me i'm like wait a minute i thought you were a creature but i digress so this film is very interesting in the story that it's that it that it's presenting Mm -hmm. that it has the opportunity to present and i think it is there that from where all of these think pieces were born mm-hmm. because what you notice in many of these think pieces mm-hmm. is that they are not reviews of the movie mm-hmm. because just a cursory review of the movie mm-hmm. tells you that while the ideas are there mm-hmm. None of them, mm. and I'm sorry, mm. none of them are executed on at all, mm-hmm. to, to, in my opinion, to the detriment of this film. 
And I believe to the detriment of Bernie Casey, mm-hmm. who was an actor who definitely has charisma. That's right. A thoughtful man when you learn more about his his history and that he was a football player because he was a big dude and it was something he could do but and he would pretty much was an actor because hey that's a way to make money you know i saw jim brown you know take that route you know he played in the days of jim brown He, he follows into the hollywood three years later i can take that route too but first and foremost, when you learn about this man, he's an artist. Mm-hmm. He's a painter. He went to school for for classic art. That that's what he was. He he is literally the soul of an artist, mm-hmm. right? And there's a moment in this movie when Bernie Casey's Doctor Pride decides because he has no other place to turn that he has to inject himself with the serum to test out this serum which will eventually which will of course we know turn him into mr high and there's a serum to to, that he thinks will cure cirrhosis right but is there anything wrong with his liver by the way there's nothing wrong with so he's just injecting so he's injecting himself himself with a plot hole go ahead yeah well there's a moment when he injects himself with that and bernie casey stands up in his his bedroom Mm -hmm. and he looks in the mirror it's not in the text it's not in the script but the subtext of that scene as bernie casey prepares to go into gyrations and uh uh falling all over the place scrambling, pulling at his hair, Bernie Casey takes a beat and rubs his eyes. And I'm telling you, I believe I heard him say, the check cleared. I have to go through with it. (laughs) And that's Bernie Casey for the rest of the movie. Mm. The check cleared. I've got to go through with it. Mm-hmm. A smarter actor, such as Rosalind Cash, <laughs> realizes, oh, this is not what I thought it was going to be. And what does she do? Not only does she phone in her performance, but she definitely steps to the side (laughs) I forgot she was in it and allows a young Marie O'Henry to more or less arise to the co-lead in this movie oh Rosalind Cash still gets second booking but right off camera she's sitting on the stool eating the sandwich she's sitting on the stool she's like uh, Miss Cash, we need you. You know, I think Linda can do this scene. <laughs> no, 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 no. Linda, me and Linda were going over the lines and they feel more authentic coming from her. <laughs> so why don't we just give make her character the one that goes with him that, you know, that. Yeah, yeah. She could be the love interest. Yeah. And 
Rosalind Ca- Cash just steps to the side, comes back at the end of the movie. Oh my God. She comes back to say, I love you. And mm-hmm. then tips back out and leaves things to Marie O'Henry. Marie O'Henry, who plays Lind- Linda, mm-hmm. a prostitute who whose story is a little jangle. And this is how I know that Rosalind Cash has something to do with this. In the beginning of this movie, like Bernie Casey's first scene is with Linda. Yes. And Linda, and he points out, Linda, you're a prostitute. And if you didn't think that Linda was a prostitute, you know, you, you know, the movie tells you she's a prostitute because she opens the scene nude. Yes. Happily nude. Yo, because yeah. in 1976, exploitation movies, very comfortable. There's got to be a, 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 yes. a, a nude woman. And, and it's in the doctor's office. Right. So perhaps she could be nude. No, because right. usually people have a, a gown on, but not the prostitute. And you know how you know that? Because later in the no, movie, when she, she comes to the office, she wears a gown. She has the gown. Yeah. Right. But in the beginning, she is happily nude. Yeah. And when he tells her, like, you know, you really don't need to be a prostitute. You really, you know, there's, be- there's better for you. Mm-hmm. And she says, and this is in the script. I'm happy doing what I do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So she's Linda, the happy hooker. Linda, the happy hooker. Yeah. But two scenes later, (laughs) Linda is in the bar and she's bemoaning the fact that she is a hooker. Right. I got to change my life. I got to change my life. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Why? Because Rosalind Cash said so. Yes. And in order for her character to now make sense of the lines that Rosalind Cash has given her, she has to bemoan her place. Yes. So that's how I know that took place. Yeah, yeah. All right? I don't care what anybody says. Nobody will convince me of different. The cinematographer of this film is Tax Fujimoto. Okay. Who, at the time of this filming in 1976, had filmed Badlands from 1973, Bootleggers from 1974, as well as Cage Heat, um, and Death Race 2000. All right, I like that movie. Well, I like. Well, yes, but he also had filmed Cannonball. Oh, I like Cannonball. Cannonball is a big movie. Yeah, the big movie about an illegal cross continent road race. Right, it's it's the antecedent to Cannonball Run. Yes, yeah, a huge movie. Yeah, so. That they got Tax Fujimoto to film this movie, mm-hmm. it's no, it's it's like it's that that's big, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I believe uh-uh. that who they actually got was Tax Fujimoto Junior. <laughs> you got a lot of theories about this film because. I refuse to believe the person who filmed Cannonball, Cannonball, and if you watch Cannonball, Cannonball is a gorgeous movie. Cannonball is fantastic. It's a you, gorgeous you movie. You're going to make me go watch Cannonball. I don't know how much I really enjoyed the movie. I want to enjoy it more than than I actually than I actually do, but it's a gorgeous movie. Dog, oh, Cannonball, Cannonball, the Cannonball Run movie. Oh my God. I, when I was 10, this See, was... you're saying Cannonball Run. This no, is no, Cannonball. No. I know, but that led me to Cannonball. Okay, okay. Like, this was the height of cinema. No, when it, I was like, I mean, Cannibal, Cannibal is is like a, it's like a three hour movie. It's yes. it's it's, it's, it's an epic. Cross, I'm sorry. Go ahead. 
But I believe th- you can't tell me that that's the same guy, the same guy who filmed this movie, mm-hmm. which from its opening credits to the music that is in it has the feel of a like this feels like a television movie. Yeah. The oh, yeah. credits look like a yeah, television absolutely. movie. The music looks like a television yeah. movie. And I'm sorry to say the cinematography looks like a television movie. I agree. I'm not going to say the direction looks like a television movie, even though it does. But this is directed by William Crane, who directed Blackula. Yeah. Which, it, it, Blackula is what it is, but I don't think Blackula is like some expertly directed film. Right. And so, I'm not going to knock him. This is what William Crane does. Mm-hmm. But this movie feels like a TV movie. And I refuse to believe that the same man who did Cannonball, who did Death Death Race 2000 did this movie. So I think that it was either his son who did this movie or Tex had somebody else behind the camera was filming Cannonball while this was being because it was done. They were done the same year. Okay. They were they were at least released the same year. Okay. Filmed Cannonball caught a red eye. Red Eye. Back to L.A. Because Cannonball was filmed in, in, in various locations. Right, right. Caught a Red Eye back to, to L.A. Went to the set. Is the camera on? Yes. All right. I'll be back. I'll be back. And then went back to Cannonball. Right. Because I refuse this is the same eye. Because there is, there is, no, there is no, nothing that looks cinematic about this movie. True. Whatsoever. And the story and all the allegories that you they you want to you want to pull from this movie about you know you know uh um the the this black man who is fighting with you know people perceiving him as white and then he literally turns into a white a white person and he's but he's rampaging through the inner city and what does that mean about how he feels about black people or or his how in touch he is with his blackness and all Mm -hmm. that all all that other stuff none of all of that is deep 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 subtext Mm -hmm. that you all you think peace writers are bringing to the movie Yeah, yeah because it is not in the text in the text it is not in this film it is not in this movie and that is a shame because it is when um anthony davis said that this is a movie worthy of being redone mm-hmm. i 100 percent agree because there is something to be mined from this mm-hmm. from this tale even though some might say it has already been mined for comedic effect yeah, yeah. with the nutty with professor the nutty professor yeah but yeah, this movie is a, a real, real, real disappointment. I agree. And and to disappointment, I will add the word frustration. Mm-hmm. Because much like William Crane's earlier film, Blackula, and the film Scream Blackula Scream, yeah. Yeah. and the film Abby. Like, mm-hmm. I'll just talk about mm-hmm. these 70s black horror films that we have talked about previously. And there's a thread that runs through it where there is potential there. Yes. If the people involved paid a bit more attention. 
And by bit more, we mean open your eyes. I like I like some of the pieces mm-hmm. of the film. The pieces, not the film itself, but like yeah, you know what is touching. Like you, you said, William Crane as a director. I, I will say I I absolutely believe William Crane directed this because the best parts of Blackula. I think we we all agreed, and and some of the history bears out that um, how did I just forget Blackula's name? The actor. Oh, um, I just forgot it too. Just had a brain fart. <laughs> we just had a brain fart, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, the actor in Blackula is William Marshall. William Marshall. All right. We think we think that, and William Marshall said this that mm-hmm. he brought a lot of his own sensibilities mm-hmm. and his own eye to Blackula. Mm-hmm. Much like Blackula, this is a film that as you've said, has some really interesting ideas. Yeah, Some really interesting ideas. Speaking of a weakness of Blackula, we, you, you know, I, I maintain that the two things that sink Blackula immediately is that dumbass name and the makeup. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. The makeup, I love the makeup in this. And, and you know, as we said, this is Stan Winston, who, if you don't know Stan Winston, he is one of the great makeup artists. Mm-hmm. He, um, the, the, he, uh, the, the, the autobiography of Miss Jane Pittman. Right. Um, I think he did The Fly. Mm-hmm. Like, had this long, distinguished career. And I like, there's a level of subtlety to the makeup like it's not overdone like it's clearly bernie casey mm-hmm. it looks like it's maybe an inch or two a prosthetic to enhance which you talk like just bernie Cage casey's feature mm-hmm. like he has these very pronounced brow mm-hmm. brow i think bernie casey is a perfect actor for this role because bernie casey is a big man yeah you know he's a football player he's a big man but there's a grace about the way he moves that when he's Dr. Pride mm-hmm. and he has on a suit mm-hmm. and he has on the, the, the lab coat, it belies just how big he is. Yeah. But when he becomes Hyde and he uses that same physicality, mm. he really is a monster. A monster. Yeah, right. And that I, I think visually it worked really well. And and the reason I kind of asked you about is that him, you know, a stunt double running up the steps, and I was because I really just didn't notice. Okay, and then you know, because you know, like the thing ended for fifteen minutes. <laughs> it does. So I didn't notice. But part of the reason I didn't notice is because I one hundred percent think that Bernie Casey could have done that. Yeah, just yeah, because I, I of his so. physical performance throughout the whole film. As you mentioned, you got a film with Bernie Casey and Rosalind Cash, two really solid actors. Hmm. I'll go so far. I think Rosalind Cash is a good actress. Like I, I do think she's like, a good I actress. I like Rosalind Cash. Yeah. And the script just doesn't serve them. The direction doesn't serve them. As you said, Bernie Casey, and I'm so glad that you picked that moment where Bernie Casey transforms. Because mm-hmm. I actually like I actually like as much as I like any of this film, the early part with him in the lab and him with Rosalind Cash and and him sort of navigating this clinic space before it kind of I won't say goes off the rails, but they're they're more wedded to the black exploitation part of it. Yeah, like 
we spend a whole lot of time with the world of the movie prostitute and pimp. Silky. Stu Gilliam. Mm-hmm. Great comedic actor, one of these 70, 70s figures that you see, playing this comic book pimp. Yeah. And it's and like, not well. Not well. Not only is it not well, but when you think about Stu Gilliam and you look at, at his IMDb, you look at, at how he kind of played these roles throughout the 70s, where he's a funny guy. Mm-hmm. It's just like, how do you use Stu Gilliam in this? Like, you could have just got a random dude if this is all you're going to do with him. You're right. And this is a theme throughout this film. Where, for whatever reason, and, and I suspect it was because of the unexpected success of Black Oh, 100%. That's why the movie got made. There are resources. Yeah. That this production has. Mm-hmm. That it just doesn't use that well. And it's a shame. It's a shame. I, I 100% agree with you about anything pieces, anything that people have pulled out of this. This is a hell of a pull. Yeah. This is a hell of a pull pulling it out of out of this because I also refuse to believe that this level of thoughtfulness that people have brought into critique of this film mm-hmm. went into the production of this exactly. Film. exactly. And the greatest crime that it commits as someone who loves black exploitation films mm-hmm. is that it gets boring. Yep. Like, you don't even have that pulpy entertainment level Mm -hmm. that you can talk about films that, oh, that film isn't really that good. But, you know, it's a hoot. You know, you can sit and watch and eat wings and it drags. Oh, it drags. It's an hour and, you know, it's a little over an hour and a half. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The last 20 minutes. Oh, my God. Just... Like the plot wise, you know, of course, there's a moment where 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 the character Linda that we've talked about goes to him and says, you know, I know that you're the one who's basically Mr. Hyde. I know you're the one that's killing everyone. If you don't turn yourself in, I'm going to call the police. And this is a part in most movies where he would grab her and either murder her or this, that and other. He lets her go. Mm -hmm. She goes to the police. And then there's this extended police investigation. Wait a minute. You missed, a, you missed a bit. I thought you were going to go there. Not only does he let her go, and by go, ladies and gentlemen, we mean, we mean because they had this conversation in the front seat of his car. Yes. After he has tried to attack her previously. Right. Yeah. So she says, like, you know, either turn yourself in or I'm going to do it. She gets out the car. Goes to her car. Strolls to her car. Starts up her car. Pulls off in her car. (laughs) At which point we cut back to the doctor. Still sitting in his car. Still sitting in his car. So that he can say, I can't let you stop me. (laughs) I was was like, what is... What is happening here? You know, I mean, like you and, missed your chance, bruh. And then you get twenty more minutes, yeah, of this sort of elongation where the movie is over. Like the movie is supposed to be over at this point, yeah. 
and and it is a shame and it is it is it is so frustrating to me that again and again and again like just the films that i you know abby blackula scream blackula scream this the man with two heads i was gonna i wonder who's gonna pull that like no one would really just commit mm-hmm. to a genre film to make it what it could be. A, it makes me appreciate something like Sugar Hill so much more. Right, right. Just as a complete experience. Or what's the Glenn Turman movie? Uh, JD's. JD's Revenge. Yeah, yeah. The films and even JD's Revenge, I'm not a huge, fan. not a huge fan, not a huge fan. But but they know what they're trying right. to do, and it makes me admire the miracle of Ganja and Hess. Right, right. Because again and again and again, these filmmakers and and these the, these movie companies had the opportunity mm-hmm. to enter into this space, mm-hmm. and they just fumble the ball through neglect and it really is it, it it's amazingly frustrating yeah it's amazingly fr- now once we're finished with the review you know i got to do my did you see this actor bit because it's like it, it's three of them in here where i'm like oh it's fill in the blank really oh yeah I, the only one i re- uh kind of recognize and i'm not even sure where i recognize them but because I didn't know his name at the time was uh, uh, G two Kambuka. We've talked about G two Kambuka twice on this show. In in what before? Well, the, his most famous role, which we always go back to, he's the toothless dude in the beginning of Harlem Nights. Ah. And the reason he came up on this show and we talked about him as the toothless dude mm-hmm. because he was also in, I believe, Blackula. Oh, I can believe that. Yeah, I can certainly believe that. I think he's because because he, I think he shows up in a lot of American international pictures. Yeah, he's one of their like stock players. Right, right. And and he's very much uh, um, he's he's got a face. Yeah. Well, yeah. Which actually. I do have to say, yeah, he's in Blackula. That I do have to say that, considering his face, and he's not a, a bad looking dude, but he definitely is a, a man of a particular look. Yeah. To cast him as a cop has to be against type, right? So I actually did appreciate that, but but even in so doing, I I I do have to say I chuckled a little bit because they cast him as a cop. And not just a cop. He's a detective. Yes. You know, he's a detective that seems to know what he's doing. To one point, all of a sudden, he plays subservient to the white cop. I don't understand. Mm -hmm. But whatever. But I like that he's a cop. He's a a black cop. He's his own black cop. Because when he has to start chasing somebody, Mm -hmm. that's the time he, he lights a cigarette. Yes. Yes. Or, you know, the, the, the cool smoke of a menthol it actually coats your lungs with like mintiness which helps you run right that's right. 1976 science actually well, of that course just, you, you, you don't know no no I, I didn't i didn't 
talked about Stu Gilliam. Stu Gilliam is in okay, well, yeah. at least two episodes of What's Happening mm-hmm. that I love. Like, I, you know, like Stu Gilliam. I think Stu Gilliam played the manager of the Rockets. I could believe that. I could believe that. Back to Tinu, um, I mean, uh, G2, G2 Kambuka. Kambuka. He, here's a deep cut, played B.B. King's bodyguard on that episode of Sanford and Son. Oh, wow. Which is a perfect transition <laughs> into my favorite deep cut pull okay. from this film. And that would be Linda has a friend named oh. Bernice. Yes. Bernice has two children. She's Linda's confidant. She appears in maybe three or four scenes in this film. And I saw and gets thrown down the steps. And gets thrown down the steps, which is terrible. Which is terrible because Linda kind of like sets her I up. I knew she does. <laughs> Linda kind of sets her up. But I saw Bernice and I said, Why am I so happy to see Bernice? Like I saw her and it actually lit up the screen. I was like, and do you know who that is? That is Della Thomas. Do you know who Della Thomas is? Della I am not Th- aware of who Della, Della Thomas is an actress who worked throughout the 70s, a working actress. Best known to me as one of the women from Detroit who was on that episode of Sanford and Son where Lamont moved out and moved in with Rollo and they had the two women over and Rollo went and got some fancy wine, some Beaujolais. And they were feeding them pretzels and potato chips. And they said, that's what you feed to, pe- to the animals down to zoo. And then Fred came over. And he, r- had, he had ripple. And he had ripple and onion- onion stew. <laughs> and I think she actually had an orgasm when she saw the onion stew. Yes, cause, cause she said, ooh, onion onion stew. <laughs> So when I saw Della Thomas, I had to start digging. I said, that's onion stew. And they were doing the dances with Fred, and they had onion stew and drank some Ripple. Because Rollo had bought some Beaujolais that tasted like furniture polished. (laughs) And that was the most entertained I was by the entire film. <laughs> Thinking about that episode of Sanford and Son. Uh in the chat, your brother Damon. <laughs> Another Sanford and Son aficionado. Um yes, but this is back to the movie. Um talks about how say what you want about the film. Dr. Pride had some really fly cars. Because <laughs> he had an old timey Rolls, oh, Rolls Royce, Royce, and then he had the Benz. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah I mean, well, he was like born all right. Well, he was talking about because he, if if I remember, he now lives in the house that his mother used to work at, right? Which used to be a, a brothel, a brothel, right? Which so you have to imagine it was like well, akin to a mansion. Yeah, absolutely. So you know, he's a man that had, had money, which which was another strange scene because he, as you said, when you get his backstory, which is surprisingly bleak, and it, 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 
And it's, it's surprisingly a good mo- that's a good moment in right. the movie. You know, his mother drank herself to death because she was the maid in this brothel and he talks about her cleaning the, the dirty beds and the mm-hmm. toilets and she drank herself to death and died alone and none of the prostitutes called for help. Right. And since then I've hated liver disease and drinking, you know, cirrhosis and prostitutes. And then Linda was sitting in the car and I don't know if we've mentioned this or not, but Linda has uh, her, her she has liver disease, which is why she right. goes to the clinic all the time. And I'm like, Linda, you're a prostitute with liver disease. Maybe you should be in the car with big ass Bernie Casey. Right. Because she has uh, hepatitis. I think. Yeah, because right. he just he just told you those are the two things he hates. Well, yes, which is why she he was fighting for a cure and is why he wants to try the cure on right. her. Right. At first. Now, and, and, and it definitely in these think pieces, they talk about how he wants to try the cure on Linda first. Yes. And Linda was like, eh, nah, I'm not with that. Another thing I will point out, Marie O'Henry, who plays Linda, who mm-hmm. doesn't have much of an acting career. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually think for what she's done, she's actually pretty good. I mean, I mean, there's a, there she, were, she's the only one in the film actually showing up. That's you're right. There you go. Right. So she, she actually, like you said, Bernie Casey and for for the ten minutes that Rosalind Cash is in the film, I, I eight. I'm sorry, <laughs> it's eight minutes. You know, you do get the sense, of, and, and we've talked about this a little bit before, like that sort of split between the capital A actors who are black mm-hmm. and then the black exploitation actors. Yeah, and yeah. although Bernie Casey biographically would be in the latter you get to sense bernie casey always carried himself like an actor well i think that and rosalind cash absolutely was an actress oh yeah well, and, certainly. But, you know i'm gonna just do like i'm in black exploitation stuff because it's 1975 and, I'm, and I'm working but i'm an actress yeah and and they both kind of like went back and forth television and movies yeah. as well so mm-hmm. you know so there's that as well well what i was going to say is that you know um he wants to try the ceremony linda and linda says no yes and then he you know very menacingly it's 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 actually the, the i was just what if about, i insist what if it is actually the scariest moment in, in the, the film in the entire film and because it because up to that point their relationship seemingly is very amicable. Right. You know? I mean, you you know why he's asking her out, mm-hmm. but he, he still has been very cordial. Yeah. Nice. And he's, and he's still Dr. Pride. Right. And, and you get the sense that she, like, even though he has kept it very pro- professional the entire movie, mm-hmm. you get the sense that she's like, you know, if I play this right. Oh, yeah. You know, this could this could turn into something. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, most certainly. Yeah. Most certainly. You know. You know. Um That's legitimately a nice moment though. It is. It yeah, is. Because I, the other part about that moment, again, back to Bernie Casey and the thing that I like about Bernie Casey in this role, mm-hmm. he is Dr. Pride when he says, What if I insist? Yes. But the like he works like he's actually menacing. Yeah. Yeah. But but that that's that anger, right? That's always threatening the bubble. And again, you realize, and she plays it like this a little bit. Mm-hmm. Just how much bigger he is than her. Like he says, "What if I insist?" 
and the whole energy changes. Yeah, because you and she realize if he does, right, what can I do? Right. I'm in this house, in this room. Mm-hmm. What if I insist? And it's right. Like, oh. So. Yeah. But unfortunately, that moment doesn't last. No, it, it doesn't. And uh, unfortunately, the film continues and we get where we go. So, no. <laughs> that was a very quick no. <laughs> under no circumstances? No, under... Nothing, no. This no. is not no at the cookout. No, no. This is not no, you know, hey, you know, whatever. Like, no. This is no, I'm doing work. I just need something on the television in my ear. No. Get out. Jordan Peele, people under the stairs, Candyman, both versions have brought me into Black Horror. Now I want to explore Black Horror. I already saw Blackula. Mm-hmm. I already saw Ganji and Hess. Mm-hmm. Is this not worth adding? You've seen to- Blackula. There's no other reason to continue down the filmography of William Crane. No. Okay. All right. No. Don't. Don't. All right. Don't do it to yourself. No. No. I I agree. I agree. I know. I think I think we can skip this one. And again, it is amazingly frustrating to me. Yes. Because, you know, even I'm talking about the makeup, which I did like, but the unnamed makeup artist in Sugar Hill, mm-hmm. I think, do as well of a job. Yeah. With this sort of light touch, like this really light touch that you get that, again, talking about frustrations with these films, I don't know what they were thinking about in Blackula. Right. With these sort of pieces of, of carpet felt. <laughs> But, but yeah, I agree with you. I agree. We can skip this one. Yeah. But we won't skip next week, ladies and gentlemen. And before we tell you what we're going to be watching, I invite you all to send all of your thoughts and your concerns about um, anything but Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Black to the Michelle Mission at gmail.com. M-I-C-H-E-A-U-X-M-I-S-S-I-O-N. Like and follow us on all the social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, at Michelle Mission, where you can go to our website, Two Men, One Podcast, Every Black Film Ever Made, and hit swag to check out all of the cool designs and gifts that we have via our good friends at T Public, and you can also go there to check out the Road to Three Hundred. You can check out all of the films that we have laid out for the coming months, starting in November, as we make our way to our landmark three hundredth episode of the Me Show Mission Podcast, which yes, is a sir. proud member of the Podglomerate. They make podcasts work. All right. All right. Next week, it is Vincent's turn in Boo-tober. It is. What we watching, my man? We are watching Candyman. Oh, I thought we reviewed Candyman already, Vincent. What are we watching? Well, this is Neil Wood's reimagining. Nia DaCosta. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Nia DaCosta's Reimagining, reinterpretation, continuation mm. of the classic horror film Candyman. Certifiable from classic. 2000, 
and 21. Yes. Yes. Starring Yaya Abdul-Martin II. Mm-hmm. Tiana Paris. Mm-hmm. And Coleman Domingo. That's, that's, that's a powerhouse trio right there. As you have never seen him. You've never seen yeah. this Coleman Domingo. Yes. And I have not seen it yet. Oh. I have not seen it yet. Right. So I'm very much looking forward to this. Um, I'm pretty cool. Pretty cool. I, I, I can't wait next week, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, until then, we invite you all to please uh, be good, be well, be healthy, be wise. And that's Vincent. And I'm Len. And until next week, we'll see you when it's time to meet again. Peace. <laughs>